Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yachtcast for January 11th, 2021, the first of a new era, featuring poet Joshua Megan leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic, formerly held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. We've been holding the Yop virtually since the pandemic began. For more information and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Matt Morse, Seth Leeper, Suzanne S. Austin Hill, Dan Varley, Rita A. Simmons, Harvey Sauce, Stella Lee, Todd Friedman, Bonnie Belay, Earl Carlson, Sarah Lynn Rogers, Bridget Duffy, Michael Cunningham, Alexandra Antonopoulos, David Namat Nasser, Shanice Hughes Greenberg, Frank Rubino, Preeti Shah, Arthur Russell, and last but not least, Bill Livingston. So, we've got a new president, somewhat of a fresh start. Luckily, things haven't completely fallen apart yet. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for January. Enjoy. Okay, folks, we are back for the beginning of the Yop open mic. Um, just to just to go over a few things because I've seen some questions about this in the chat. Uh, if you're new to the YAWP, um, you need to sign up for the open mic uh, ahead of time and that sign up, uh, the open mic list fills uh, very quickly. Uh, we got a lot of regulars. Uh, that lineup is usually full within about 24 hours. So uh, the earliest you can sign up for the next YAWP is, is kind of like right now <laughs> uh, some people try to jump the gun a little early it's uh, or it's really sort of officially after the the, the previous yop ends um but if you're interested in reading uh next month and you're not on the open mic uh list this time uh you can go ahead and sign up at bookandpoets.org uh right now uh but uh if you are on the open mic list you you know it in advance uh, it's not something that happens uh during the event uh, when we did these in person uh we would have people sign up at the door for open spots but we can't do that uh virtually because it's it's too much chaos um uh, a couple of announcements before we begin the open mic uh as you heard in the message we do record every open mic that we publish as a podcast called the Yopcast that you can subscribe to on iTunes uh, and SoundCloud uh, or some other podcasting platforms as well. Uh, every month we vote for Yop Poem of the Month. And I just put my number in the chat uh, a few minutes ago, 718-374-1953. During the open mic, I will screen share the texts of all the readers' poems so that you'll see their names, you'll see the texts. Uh, if you want to vote for a poet, we ask you wait to the end of the open mic to, to vote for the poet. You could just text me their name, uh, full name, usually first name is probably uh, sufficient. Uh, and that's all you need to do. <laughs> that's your vote. Uh, you can vote for yourself if you're reading. Uh, that's, that's certainly fair. Uh, we pick one winner by audience vote. Uh, usually uh, contact the winner a few days after we announce it on social media. And whoever wins Yacht Poem of the Month gets a slot in our Poem of the Year contest, which uh, occurs in December. Uh, many of you were at our awards gala in December on Zoom, and you saw that event play out. Um, 
the winner was Dante Clark, if you remember. Um, and uh, last but not least, <laughs> if you don't want to be in the podcast, the, you know, for whatever reason, maybe the pump's too personal or something, or you're afraid someone's going to hear it, uh, uh, it doesn't really matter what it is. You don't want to be in the recording, you just email me to at brokenpoets.org and I can take you off the recording. Um, okay, I think that's all the announcements I have for the open mic. Uh, before I screen share, um, or before we get to the open mic proper, we're going to hear from Josh Megan again is our featured reader tonight. Uh, he's going to read a couple of poems and then we're going to get to the open mic lineup. Uh, all right, Josh, uh, take it away once I share my screen. Thanks. Sorry, I uh, didn't realize that my video was off still before I was listening the whole time. Um, okay, uh, I'm going to read two poems. The first. Uh, I guess I can just, I, I'll read it from my book so that you don't have to worry about scrolling or will you scroll it? I don't know. Uh, okay. Fire safety. Aluminum tank indifferent in its place behind a glass door in the passageway, like a tea urn in a museum case. Screaming machines that dumbly spend each day waiting for gas or smoke or hands or heat, positioned like beige landmines overhead, sanguine on walls or posted on the street like dwarf grandfather clocks, spray painted red. Little gray hydrant in its warlike stance, old fire escape, all weather paint job peeling, a shelf for mildewed rugs and yellowing plants, sprinkler heads blooming from the public ceiling, all sitting supernaturally still, waiting for us to cry out, and we will. And I'll just point out something about that. If you can go back up to that for a second, just because it's a, uh, just because of the theme for the, for the um, if you can go to the top of it, it would, that would be great. Um, this, I don't know if you would notice this, but this is actually a sonnet. Uh, it's just chopped up to look like uh, free verse. Um, it's actually a sonnet, a regular uh, Shakespearean sonnet, A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D, E, F, E, F, G, G. Um, and it's, I think it's listed on the Poetry Foundation website as free verse. So <laughs> that makes me happy, but it's a, it's a sonnet. Um, so you can do this kind of thing too. It would seem too pat <laughs> as, you know, looking like a sonnet. So I chopped it up. Um, and now uh, heard at the men's mission. And I'll just say, this is not my, this is not me speaking this. Okay. Uh, it's always good to, to say that uh, uh, ahead of time, but I didn't want to put it in, in quotation marks. So heard at the men's mission. Oh, and I should say Raphael in here is not the painter, but the angel. Uh, and what else? Um, uh, is there something else like that? Uh, I guess that's about it. Okay. This is the mission in the title refers to the Bowery mission. How many sons of bitches no one loves with long coats on in June and beards like nests 
guys no one touches without latex gloves, squirming with lice, themselves a bunch of pests, their cheeks and noses parked like grapefruit rind, fellows with permanent shits and yellowish eyes who, if they came to in the flowers to find Raphael there, could not be otherwise have had to sit there listening to some twat behind a plywood podium in the chapel in a loose doorman suit the color of snot stock still except his lips and adam's apple telling them how much jesus loves the poor before they got their bread and piece of floor and that's it thanks all right thank you josh I love this poem. This is this is an. I feel like this is an oldie for me, but uh, I, I it is. Uh, I mean, years. it's my last book, but I, I'm not very prolific. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't mean any shade by that. I just mean like it Sorry, feels like a game. classic. Yeah, uh, the twat snot rhyme is a, <laughs> definitely a highlight in the history of poetry. <laughs> um, Okay. Well, wow, I didn't know this other poem was the sonnet, so it uh, shows what I know, too. <laughs> Poetry Foundation. But that's uh, pretty nifty. Um, okay. Thanks very much. It's a great way to start. Um, we are on to the open mic lineup, and we're going to begin with uh, Matt Morst. How are you, Matt? Beautiful. Uh, this, this is a poem. Uh, usually I write short poems, like a sonnet is long for me. So uh, this is uh, from a long poem that I chopped down. It was written down in, back in May, April, May, during the height of COVID and, and wanting to find a, a, a cure, a vaccine. I'm taking my number two vaccine tomorrow, so I'm happy, hopefully. Um, so it's called Banish Misfortune. It's a bit of a spell. Unfinished blows, white flaws, sheep hovering the dream reach of a vaccine here on earth, battle floods, fires, riots, and veiled sleep. Sunrise, God's country over bright paved roads, cars yellow, stoplights, children scream, playgrounds of joy, helicopters, menace, morning drive, raindrops in the pale sun wants to break through the race for a cure. Small apartments, distressed oak trees, dark moon hustle, breathing street lights, cigarette rewards. Brooklyn glides, shining flat light, two nights and four days, the weed man nods ginger in the wrong directions, UPS and brown exhaust truck. Pitbull country, malt liquor, gold teeth, brick afternoons, nights bright, urban stars crying. Talk on the streets of secret hideaways, moons beyond moons, vast out past Pluto at the beyond the beyond, worlds on worlds at 3 a.m., over the Williamsburg grid bridge, gridiron rust, shown its gold, shown in gold under the moonlight edge. Poor, dazzling like a wax museum of gray sand-colored faces, pure black top carpets, while curb, while curb sidewalks. Maybe I'll just read it off here. It's easier on that way. Uh, it's a little, it's a little dark in my room. You'll excuse me. Get some more bright in here, bright light. Poor dazzling like a wax museum of gray sand-colored faces, pure black top carpets with white curb sidewalks, particles of stone quartz, diamonds, limestone buildings wave for miles and miles and miles. Bright afternoons, bands of dust motes hang like sawdust in the air, crescent moon, white bright in the blue sky, dark alleys, red rocks, shadows against the sun, 
burn, come in under the red brick shadows, lonely retracted light cuts through the glass at the great ice valley cafe. Excluded and brooding at the delta falls down the great hills and breakthroughs, hot feathers dance on her brow, a swelling night of powders white and coffee black in the blue morning. Midday sun, brightness, melting trees, trees, groves, limp leaves, waiting for the rain, birds take cover under short shadows, dogs sleep flying and wheeled in circles, nausea, evening comes to the hot sidewalk, showers of rain and steam rising on asphalt, beers, badminton, lawns, laughter, barefoot in the grass. We walk near naked on the sand, the surf too rough to swim. Submarines sweep like sea torpedoes, fly, rage, and claustrophobic fish hide in stone canal explosions overhead, nothing safe in this underworld green gloaming. Border crossings, barricaded Canada, closed, try to relax, repeated attacks, hopeless, a tremble, menace nerves, and I ought to know better, so why are my feet trembling? Quick flies hover as the wind shifts in Montana. Others meander like moose loose in the grass, waiting for the next catastrophe tequila in the dusty sunlight drapes the air. The tin can man pushes his fantastic shopping cart through the Corona Badlands, treasures everywhere in the bleached light. He tromps in the eternity afternoon, flashes light behind his eyes, searching for lost Spanish spittoons. Terror and the world survives into another day. Sunlight bees fly out of hole, a hole in the ground, fear and adrenaline, nowhere to run, forest in the smoky afternoon Portland Trail. Sunrise, green wings fly through the mud pit floor of the barbecue house. Past lives, past paradise, bright moons, morning shadows, thunder, and dark stars, strained sounds echo down canyons, speechifying laughter. Lucid, you wake up rested, pull back and reach the empty chapels. Chapel, trees sing news of a new, new vaccine. Thank you. All right, thanks very much, Matt. It's a beautiful mess, thank you guys. <laughs> uh, I like that description, some great imagery it sounds in this poem. Uh, and this yeah. is just a, a, a part of it, you said, right? It's a little less than half, yeah. It's just a, it's a long kind of horrorscape anxiety poem, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I like your descriptions of your own work. <laughs> Horror escape anxiety. Um, all right, thanks very much, Matt. Thank you. Our next reader is Seth Leeper, who is back, uh, read for us a couple times in 2020. How are you, Seth? I'm doing good. How are you? Happy New Year. Thanks, um, same to you. Thanks. All right, I'm going to hop into it uh, to respect everyone's time. So this is kind of like a euphoric tantrum that I guess I decided to share with the world. So... Uh, thanks for indulging me. <clears throat> um, and it's called, I'm tired of seeing flowers and poems. Tomes to talk of the weight of the world stacked against the backs of petals. Give me upturned roots. Give me, sorry, uh, give me terrestrial devastation. Scorch the very fibers of my tongue with the bristles from your words. Too many flowers crowd my senses, trigger allergic repulsions. Free me from the dreams of hay fever and bouquets beneath balconies. Transcend my desire to be young and beautiful and instead confront the volcano head on. Swan dive into ugly duckling, pluck a feather from my neighbor's tail, except there are too many birds 
poems. Let there be monochrome plumage used only for words we can't take back. Let there be letters written to burn, like the fuse that deepens the dark, and let me explore the void. Give me a monolith and a cavern. Let my stalactite heart drip its saltiness across scurrying floorboards, bending to permit a flame, burning to permit more death and less beauty. Permit only stamen entrails. He loves me nots and medicinal herbs. All right, thanks very much, Steph. That was like, a, it's almost like a missile, that poem. <laughs> uh, it's happening. There's so much speed and velocity in that poem. It's hard to keep up with the scrolling. Uh, but I love it. You did a great job driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I like a poem with, with, with velocity. I don't see that much these days. Um, all right. Thanks very much, Seth. Thank you. Our next reader, no stranger to all of you who were with us, uh, Yoff in 2020, Suzanne S. Austin Hill. How are you, Suzanne? I am fine and happy new year to everybody. Same to you. Uh, Thank go you. for it. Yeah, I'm sticking with the uh, letter poems that we learned about in November. A piece of my mind, first three minutes worth. Dear Suzanne, I would have liked to have written this letter by hand, you know, more personal, show that I care, but to write manuscript hurts, really. Legibility would be nice, wouldn't it? Then I'd have to write very slowly. My printing starts out very neat, but degenerates quickly to scribble scrabble something sometimes I can't even read. It takes too long to print. I don't have all day to do this, not even as a retiree during COVID. I'd better type. You've been struggling lately, not your usual upbeat Barnabas. What's going on? Why the overwhelming sadness? Is it the places you can't go once you got home? Grandchildren you won't see because you can't get back? Uncelebrated celebrations? Unexpected health issues even for a senior? Steadily growing COVID numbers. Every day, damned if you're here, damned if you're there. Reality of one wrong decision and your history. Or is it the lingering in your face life or death of it all? I hear you asking, how much longer? How much more do I have to sacrifice? As long as it takes, hopefully not as much as Jesus did, I'd say. We've got tears for a reason. They clean your eyeballs, make you feel better. Hope you see things clearly, you say. But since March 16th, you wake up and go to sleep crying. The waterworks flow at commercials, where at the end the grandson says, we'll see you real soon, Grandma. And the ones featuring emaciated dogs and caged cats shivering in the cold. I bet you don't even know what these commercials are advertising. And when a name is given for any of the 350,000 plus COVID deaths, you sob. It's no wonder you stay up all night as if you can stop the dawn. You did the same thing when Ray left you. Your mornings are the worst. Worry, fear, and anxiety wait patiently in the darkness and rise with the sun with subtle fury. Like the movie Groundhog Day, same challenges, different day. Eyeballs clean, feeling worse, seeing things too clearly, hopeless. Time is on steroids. Morning is voraciously eaten by afternoon that surrenders sheepishly to evening. In a moment of reflection, you recall there was so much to get done, so much that could be done, but so little actually has been done. Every day you get something, anything done, 
your daily reward, binge on a variety of DVR shows requiring nothing of you other than the surrender of your midsection to flab. I'll write again soon, Shusha. All right, thank you, Suzanne. That was fantastic and wonderfully depressing. I love this characterization, damned if you're here, damned if you're there. Uh, it's a pretty apt way of describing what this whole thing has been like. Uh, also, the surrender of your midsection to flab. <laughs> uh, like, we all know what that's like. Especially now. Yes. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thank you very much. My pleasure. Ben. Our next reader, uh, as he notes in his bio, one of the uh, new members of our mentorship program cohort. I see Arthur Schnapper for him, who's also in this uh, mentorship program cohort, uh, which is about to start uh, tomorrow. Their welcome meeting. We're very excited about that. Uh, Dan Varley, how are you? I'm doing great, although not as good as you uh, with the win yesterday, but congratulations. I was thinking about you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was a little surreal. It felt like I, I started to wonder if I'd actually gone to heaven. <laughs> uh, it might sound weird, but I really, I actually literally had that thought, uh, which is a little sad also because it was sports related uh, while all this terrible stuff is happening in the world. But enough from me. Go for it, Dan. No, absolutely. So um, uh, it's and it's also great to uh, to be here and to, to be in the um, an hour ago uh, listening to Josh. Um, and just to hear every how you know crazy and how good everyone can do can be in like ten minutes um, always kind of blows my mind. Uh, so I love Mark Doty. Um, he has a poem called "At the Gym" um, from My Alexandria, um, which I really really love. And uh, I always wonder why there weren't a lot of poems about gyms. I tried to find some, so if you know of any, let me know. Um, and this is from uh, I spent. Uh, I joined a super cheap gym in when I first came to New York, um, but it was also like a powerlifting bodybuilding gym. And I didn't know that. Um, so uh, it was just, it was a, it was a fascinating, uh, lovely experience. Um, so this is called only champions train on Fridays. One night, a regular smiled at me and wanted to know if I was done with the seated bench and asked for a dumbbell shoulder press spot. I leaned next to him as he hoisted some 200 pounds to the air, my fingertips shushing his trembling arms. The floor rattled when he dropped the weights after his set. We shook hands tenderly, then wondered who had the strongest hold. Here, everyone would stay all night, but no one had their pro card. So what? The treadmill stopped mid-stride of a run and the television didn't turn on, but no one cared. So in the squat racks, we wilted barbells with the weights we tossed on and in the mirrors critiqued our whittled bodies. We stared down what we feared and loved as someone explained all the right poses. Thank you. Okay, thank you. This is great stuff. Uh, I love the title too. Sounds like a title of a, it'd be a good book title. Uh, it's a very, it's a like, it's a very kind of like, you know, motivational, inspirational. If you're showing up on Friday night, only champions train on Fridays. 
<laughs> yeah, that must be why I'm not a champion. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem in Cleveland. Never training on Friday night. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right before this event, I was doing push-ups upstairs in a room. There's this <laughs> this whole workout thing during the pandemic has, has been truly awful. Uh, I never thought I would miss the gym, but I kind of miss gyms. Uh, all right. Thanks very much, Dan. Love this poem. Our next poet is Rita A. Simmons. How are you, Rita? I'm fine. Thank you. Happy New Year. Okay. This poem is called Michael John. At 21, life was still about fun, especially when it came to hanging with Mary Jean. She had a way of living life on the edge, coupled with an innocence that made it okay. She loved to give gifts and take photographs. She had a collection of pigs, stuffed, wooden, ceramic, glass. And she liked to send letters to family and friends covered with stickers and decorative stamps. She could point out the irony in every situation and had quite a memory for dates. Her favorite sport was rugby. She once tackled me after a night of drinking when I threatened to ring the cowbell at the summer camp where we worked. When she visited me at my college dorm, she ran up 11 flights of stairs, trying to beat the elevator. She almost did. One summer, she drove an ice cream truck, but made more money doing beer runs for construction workers. She had her own dance moves, especially when she's a maniac was blasting in the room. I laughed and called her crazy. Until the day she disappeared and came back, only able to explain in dribs and drabs. She'd boarded a bus in the middle of the night and begged the driver to take her to an intersection not on his route. She had an urgent message. The world was coming to an end. It would begin with an earthquake at 6.38 p.m. The driver let her off at an unfamiliar stop where she found herself encircled by strangers. Her voice trailed off. Her mother took her to a psychiatrist. She'd seen this sort of thing, but had hoped her daughter would be spared the family gene. A month went by. Mary Jean started throwing up. The doctor recommended an OBGYN. Her psychiatrist refused to treat her unless she had the procedure. The world hadn't ended but a big piece of it had broken off. We both graduated from college. I found a job and moved away, got married and had kids. Mary Jean went on disability and wrote me letters covered with stamps and stickers, enclosing pictures of, her younger, of our younger days and figurines from her pig collection as gifts for my kids. One bleak March, we met and spoke for a long time. Mary Jean had slowed down. Her voice was calm and deliberate. I knew he was a boy, she said. I lost him 21 years ago today, the only child to call my own. I wanted to give him something, so I named him Michael John.
Wow, thank you, Rita. It's a beautiful poem. Beautiful tribute and elegy. Uh, wow, it's like put me in another world. I was literally in a trance as you were reading that. Um, okay, thanks very much, Rita. Our next poet is Harvey Sauce. Sort of got me intrigued by the title. Let's see if Harvey can figure out how to unmute himself before he begins talking this month. <laughs> that was my tip. Apparently not. You're already talking and you're still muted. <laughs> okay, I am unmuted and join in the congratulations. I watched the first half of Cleveland. Uh, never thought I'd say that. I'm sure you didn't either. <laughs> um, let me just bring up. I can say you're not a Cleveland fan if you only watch the first half and just assume that they well, were no, I, I had <laughs> I had taped it. It was one o'clock in the morning. I couldn't stay awake. <laughs> yeah. But, all right, uh, go for it. All right, one sec. Let me just find. Uh, all right, I'll read it off this. My apologies. Okay. All I can say is, uh, well, two things. One, I invite you all to join us at uh, Artful Dodgers Poetry. Our next reading is uh, virtual uh, as opposed to in the hall behind me uh, on the 23rd of this month on Saturday at 4 p.m. Um, and if, uh, if you have any letters of protest after I've read this, direct them to the attention of Chippy GM Piccolo um, I was only second in command. It's called high school science. Um, okay. High school science of the do-it-yourself kind was composed mainly of me and my friend dissecting hoppers, frog princes no cheerleader had yet kissed. Green, goggle-eyed hamlets of the commoner sort croaked soliloquies under our scalpels, their indecisiveness proving fatal after we'd scooped them out of Triangle Pond. Dangling each by a leg as it struggled to jerk away, bungee jumping up, down, captive yo-yo on a string before finally failing, giving up the green ghost. Elastic flesh pinned by thumbtacks to a ping pong table where we systematically tried to make sense of its circulatory system blood spurting should one of us accidentally nick an artery. I assure you that these were death scenes of which John Wilkes Booth noted actor and assassin would have been proud considering to be fair that our act didn't quite rise to the level of a capital offense. What of Peter you ask? What people for the ethical treatment of animals would have called murder we called experimentation? A heavy word, very sciency, designed to give us cover like one of those lead blankets draped over a fellow's nuts by radiologists before he submits himself to an MRI, hospital risk management, not wanting to see gonads glowing in the dark. Well, you'll be happy to know we haven't been picketed by PETA yet, nor has an execution date been set. No need then to explain our comings and goings, serial killings in the name of science to Snoopy relations or to beg them for an alibi. Our Aristotelian vision quests for the meaning of life and death, our lives and the deaths of frogs 
occurred in a damp basement with surgical terms like stat bouncing between us over the ping pong table covered with a sheet. Poo characters on a white rag that would otherwise have been thrown away. Our surgical team routinely consisting of one Mac the knife designee and one attending usually me as resident, non-resident, not my basement, not my ping pong table to clean up the surgeon's mess. Despoiling our respective kitchens of Rubbermaid gloves, we came prepared, gauntleted in pink rubber filched from our mothers. As we boasted of employing for sexier purposes, rubbers pinched from our fathers. All in the name of scientific advancement, a PhD in amphibian anatomy. The air in that basement rendered almost uninhabitable through disuse and resections, its windows painted shut by repeated do-it-yourselfer applications of latex was thick as a migration of butterflies with the same smothering effect. A mop-up pail in one corner ran red as one of those ensorcelled in Disney's The Sorcerer's Apprentice with our subject's blood. We practiced frog whispering like horse whispering in the absence of anesthesia. A naked 40-watt bulb scrubbing in for our dissections, fooling no one, certainly not the frogs, with our Shaolin monk musings that this was going to hurt us more than it hurt them, purest bullfrog shit. Just one word of advice for you, my opportunistic young tadpole, based on my experience if you want to live to be a prince, you'd better hop to it. Get yourself that transformational kiss before high school science pins you down. Okay, thanks, Harvey. You're welcome. Very nice. Uh, I remember dissecting frogs, which I think was in high school. Um, I don't know if people do that anymore. Do they? Is it considered I don't. Cool, cool <laughs> <for> frogs? <laughs> yeah. Very cool to frogs. It's it's it really is kind of a weird thing if you think about it. How, why did this ever happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> because it was tadpole pond. It still exists. It drew us to it. We waded in, got tadpoles, raised the tadpoles, and Chippy, who wanted to be a doctor, uh, decided he had a better use for his ping pong table. What can I say? <laughs> okay. Mea culpa. Mea maxima culpa. Yeah, you're a terrible person, Harvey. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. All right. Well, if you have frogs, keep them away from Harvey for sure. <laughs> Our next poet uh, is Stella Lee. How are you, Stella? Hey, hi. Good to see everybody. All right. New year. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Let's take t space to reflect. Joys evaporate overnight as the world falls flat. Promises die with their pieces curling up from past lives to tickle my palms and whisper on my skin, feather soft vows of I remember. When someone else's voice speaks the words from my mouth. I remember their timber ringing in the tiny stereo of my mind, their smile pouring through as their words made promises that a part of me lives on their tongue along with the tastes of so many others. Because in this life, as rooms fill with screams and threats of violence, 
My voice choked down on deranged promises that cut ideas sharpened and rotting right beside my larynx. Movements that force down and past my figure as doors shudder from the force of too many lost stories. I feel the pressure of sunlight revising the cells of my skin, heat and dryness at the right moment so I remember. Remember that love is revolution and our bed, the panacea that peels back tired and beaten. So I may lie beside your cold body and trace the shadows of our embrace. All right, all right. Uh, beautiful poem as always, Stella. Did you write this uh, at the beginning of the new year? It seems like a new year's poem almost. It is in light of what happened last week. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's a good response. This line here also reminds me of Daryl Alejandro Holness's workshop coming up, Writing Revolutionary Love. Did you sign up for that workshop? I want to. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> I think you signed up for like two or three others. Uh, but yeah, sign up for that one too. I'm sure we <laughs> would love to have you in it, uh, especially if you're writing lines like that. All right. Thanks very much, Stella. Our next poet is one of the poets laureate of Sunset Park. Todd Friedman, how are you in 2021? I'm okay. How are you? Doing well. I, I notice you like to stay in places that begin with B. Is that true? Brooklyn, Beacon. I guess it's sort of true. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland begins with a C. Well, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, let's just lovely. assume what you, yeah, what you said is basically true. Okay. After watching my octopus teacher, I watched an octopus being hunted by a shark quickly latch on to a bunch of seashells with her suction cups and then squeeze herself down into a little ball so that the shells encircled her in a fortress. And when the shark came upon her, violently twisting and turning her while he gyrated round and round in palpable frustration until he was spent, she then maneuvered herself onto his back where he couldn't get at her. They rode together almost peacefully till they came to a place in the kelp forest where she glided up, letting the shells loose while he went under, unaware that he had lost her. And it made me think of my stepfather when I was six or seven, gunning the gas when he'd see a cat in the street. You'd ask him to stop. No, you'd beg him, but he'd just smile at you, saying animals didn't have any brains anyway, and you'd get over it soon enough. Wow. This is, <laughs> I don't know if like cruelty to animals is suddenly the theme of the yacht tonight. This is like a uh, cousin to Harvey's poem. This is, uh, I call this a pretty uh, good example of a turn uh, right here. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree, Josh, but it seems like the poem takes a pretty dramatic, unexpected turn right when the stepfather comes into it. So almost sonnet-like, uh, even though it seems to be a free verse poem, although who knows, maybe it's not. What would you say, Josh? Would you call this a, a sonnet? I was, uh, I guess... You know, you can, if you get into this, you can start just looking at anything and thinking, well, that's a sonnet. You know, you can, you can look at Paradise Lost and think, oh, look, it's a sonnet, really. You know, 
something about proportions. But yeah, that's I did notice that. That's great. It actually also makes me think of there's a poem called Languila by uh, Eugenio Montale um, about uh -huh. the, it's the eel. Um, yeah. And it really has nothing to do with this, but there's something about the way it looks even on the page. I like the, the lines, the, the huh. discontinuity of the lines, but yeah. All right. There you go, Tad. Thank you. You should read Montali, great poet. Um, all right. Great stuff so far tonight. Our next poet, uh, no stranger to all of you regular yoppers, Bonnie Belay. How are you, Bonnie? Okay, it's this poem is named Clouds because I couldn't think of a title. Clouds fling their stories against a full depth of sky, writing a thousand odes to rain, red in droplets. We tell our stories in bed, my lips against yours, until we're settled in sleep. The south is convulsed by storm, the west shattered by wildfire. Torrential rains in Louisiana breed huge swarms of mosquitoes. Clouds bled to death in the fields. Warning lights flash. Climate change. Old age. Yesterday I fell hard on a cement walk. I can only get older. We watched dishwater gray clouds spun by frigid winds race down from the Arctic, kicking up a chorus line of snow. Wow. Thank you, Bonnie. Great to hear your work again. I feel like it's been a while. Uh, this line just kills me. <laughs> I can only get older. Actually, right here. Um, I feel like this is a great turn, too. It just comes out of nowhere. Yesterday I fell. Uh, if that actually happened, I hope you're feeling better. It's, it's in the poem. It didn't, it happened a long time ago, but it fit in the poem. All right. Yeah, it does fit. Uh, great stuff. Thanks. I almost feel like does every poet need to need to write a poem called Clouds at some point? <laughs> Maybe, uh, but this is I, definitely it's almost like an anti-clouds poem. I spent a long time this summer. I'm an insomniac, and I decided that watching the sunset would help me fall asleep, and it did. But I spent months out in the park watching the sunset, so I have dozens of poems about clouds right now. <laughs> That sounds amazing. Uh, all right. Thanks very much, Bonnie. Our next poet is a Yop debuter, Earl Carlson. How are you, Earl? Hey, doing pretty good. Can y'all hear me all right? Yes. Go for it. So this poem is called Right Source. <clears throat> One, a single merciless viewer, he stockpiles trust Every day running, scared to death, he was captured, condemned. I like to worship regrets. It means being found. Two, jarred awake, the voice sounded like the storm. He had come to depend upon a sign of God's presence, blindly feeling around, silently lost. Young men, sons, ready to move out in a moment's notice. There would be no more fighting, and he was especially vulnerable. Warriors go to war. During the darkest hours, he looked out. Was God with him? Three, God was going to protect us. I searched for the love of God. The men's eyes just kept smiling, childlike and simple. I could see the silhouette of a man. What happened next? 
It was something else bizarre. I knew the fear of death, but I too needed proof. So many of us, we cry out for the confinement of the skin, the grief, stand up. Five, I've watched while sitting at the desk, not be seen what it means I found myself. I remember how I once danced. I'd forgotten color. It's easy to forget that. I laughed. I remember I'm here. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Earl. Powerful stuff. Great reading. Uh, it's, great to, it's great to have you on this yacht. Fantastic reader of your work. Uh, keep coming back for sure. All right. Our next reader is uh, Yop Regular. I haven't seen seen you in a while, but it's great to have you back this year. It's the start of 2021. How are you, Sarah Lynn Rogers? I'm good. It's good to be back. Um, my cat's probably going to interrupt everything, so just a disclaimer. Well timed. <laughs> okay. Um, not every unloved son would sooner kill you than admit you hurt his feelings. Trumped, the aspiring dictator plays an invisible concertina in the puffed up way of a snake who has swallowed a light bulb. I have seen that x-ray, favored curio of my grandfather in his office trove of news clippings, cloistered there for anecdotes on hallucinogenic crisis, the disbelieved wound of the projector screen Dali and Van Gogh were both named for their dead brothers. My grandfather, too, a real boy in a void shaped by a ghost. His stories polished stones wrapped like hard candies. Self-contained, untouchable, sustenance myth of the unwanted. Now I call myself a real girl, seething at the narcissist in chief who's fluent in complaint my mother tongue, and who asserts existence through contagion. Rotten orange spreads its mold to the others in the bowl. Now you are also me, therefore I am. <laughs> Sorry, I dropped my cat. Threatening civil war is sport to him. Only one of these men cares that to obliterate another is a violence. Okay, great stuff. Thank you for this. Timely poem, timely cat noise. <laughs> uh, did you did you write this last week? I actually wrote this um, either leading up to or right after the election because I hate that hand thing that he does all the time. <laughs> and it reminded me of a bunch of other things. And yeah. it, it used to have a different ending about bullying. It ended with the, the line, made you look. But um, in light of all the horrible things that happened on Wednesday, it's not just about drawing a gaze anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's great stuff. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, it's good to have you back. All right. Our next poet, uh, again, no stranger to all of you, started re-opping with us in 2020, Bridget Duffy. How's 2020, how's 2021 treating you so far? Hey, uh, weird. I can't speak for all of us when I say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Well, luckily, here's a poem about none of that. Uh, when is youth over? Part one. I tell myself I'm teetering on the precipice of adulthood without knowing what precipice precisely means, but it sounds good, and I'm 17, and I'm all sound. I dream fitfully of another woman's thighs, only to wake and meet someone between a boy and a man. I let him touch me as we stand together in a disused basketball court. His long nose brushes my ear, and I wonder if I'm alive at last. Laid out on the astroturf with my very good friend, who I don't like much, we pick out the few and dinky stars visible in Chicago sky. And I confess that I never thought love would feel so much like fear. And my very good friend wonders when it's time to have sex. Neither of us knowing then that we didn't have to think about men. Part two. That summer, everyone is wearing knit vests. Seated on a picnic table, I unravel the hem stitch of mine and offer a stiff farewell to the one who gave me those long-nosed kisses. I take an Amtrak train to a place where mountains aren't unusual and move into a white dorm room with the stranger they assigned me. Two nights in, a monster wasp squeezes through a hole in the screen. We kill it with hairspray and self-defense, and after that, we're inseparable. <laughs> First, I shave one side of my head, and then I shave the other, because it is a fashionable and distinctly un-Catholic thing to do. I break into the old biology building and play hide-and-seek, wedging myself between musty Victorian taxidermies. A child again, but better, less impatient. For some reason, they trust me to take care of myself. I find out if a person can survive on pasta alone. Yes. The enormous debt I'll pay for being here isn't quite real to me yet, so I half read Foucault and share boxed reds that smell like turpentine, and there isn't time to ask if I'm alive, not there among friends on my borrowed linoleum floor. Part three, and then I am stumbling across a stage on a hot day because suddenly it's over, they're launching me, and my hair is long again. My terrible apartment is above a laundromat, shared with a new stranger, who never helps me kill murderous wasps, but licks her lips and tells me not to use more than a dot of dish soap. I sit alone at that big desk I was warned about and scratch proletarian sorrows onto post-it notes. When the phone rings, I have to answer it and say, sorry, sorry, I understand, of course, sorry, because they don't let me say piss off. I practice hurtling through a wide subway station, scowling at people with clipboards and lanyards and toothy expressions. Then I fling my body onto a packed car. I look up at the beautiful woman who loves her subscription yogurt service. I turn my volume all the way up and I pretend no one is touching my ass. At home, I climb out through the old window in the back, six floors above the trash alley, and clamber from the fire escape to the roof. The old billiard hall sign is winking at me like it knows I'm just pretending. But my friends begin to get married and I begin to own furniture and I no longer have to wonder if I am alive. Wow, that was amazing. What an ending. I feel like every line of this poem, I was like, <laughs> damn, that's an amazing line. And then immediately there'd be another one and I'd forget the other one. But uh, that was- that Scratch was proletarian sorrows onto post-it notes was pretty goddamn good. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> also, Thanks, y'all. I look up at the beautiful woman who loves her subscription yogurt service. <laughs> Is that a thing? 
subscription yoga. No, service. there's a lot of subway companies, although they're hazy now that we've been in quarantine for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say once you start talking about turns, you notice them everywhere. I'd say this is a pretty great turn. It sort of sneaks in there right at the end of that stanza. I pretend no one is touching my ass. Uh, great stuff, Bridget, as usual. Thanks. All right. Next up, we have Michael Jerome Cunningham. How are you, Michael? I'm doing good. All righty. Go for it. Yeah, this is called The Guitarist. Who wants nothing between him and the music? To him, a pick might as well be a prophylactic, latex over dead flesh. No, he will never stab beauty with a plastic tooth. She is his music and his muse, her curves held close to him as the spotlight captures him, sitting so angular he is a Spanish exclamation point. She, a brown hourglass on his thigh. With one hand, he holds her neck. With the other, his long fingernails find her hard skin of metal and wood, speaking flamenco and she singing back. All right, thank you, Michael. Thank you. Uh, were you trying to make a shape with this poem too? What I can yeah, the shape of guitar. Zoom it down to. Oh. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yep, you can, can see, see it that? there. Yep. All right, nicely done. Oh, thank you. Take a visual turn. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to keep beating this turn thing into the ground. Uh, next up, we've got another Yop debuter, uh, Alexandra Antonopoulos. Correct me if I'm saying your name wrong. I uh, know you're saying it right. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to the YAP. Go for it. Um, awesome. It's nice to be here. I'm just going to go in. Okay. So this is called This is the Loop. Braided, the loop falls back onto itself, loosely interlacing fates, illuminating like a night sun, burning white and black, a hot hex blistering and blessing, unrelenting. But we won't remember what we saw already in the still spring waters ripple returning our bodies to ourselves, offering alternatives. This has happened all before, all of this is happening. What did I say that time I braided the first loop, burnished as it slipped fast through my grip, but thick enough to catch and latch into a sailor's knot, a knit tight enough to tempt the whirl of a whipping wind, to call me to the insides of a tree, knotted, rooted through the bottom of a country and spread across the earth's expanse, to think back through my history, to sit on a woven rug, plusher this time than the last, I am happening again before I happened once. I'm sitting here with him and he is good. Pushing back my fallen hairs with heavy hands as I pretend to sleep, we form a T-shape on the floor. Digging my fingers deep into his woven rug, I breathe into his skin. Hold this in your thoughts and silently unweave the threads that keep each thread in place. When your knees the size of elephants' heads are throbbing through the sheets and you are 70, stuck at a 45 degree angle bed, and your Manuka honey voice box has been rented out to stadiums with nothing left to soothe what burns inside a brain. When that's the case, wipe it from the bottom of your mug. I wring the life out of this moment, the color and the novelty. Exhaust its desire to return so we may settle peaceful into linen sheets, resplendent, naked, viable, unbecoming, 
a coffee stain reminder reminding us of nothing. Thanks. All right, thank you. Beautiful work, Alexandra. Um, there was a line in here that, a couple of lines, this line, I'm happening again before I happen once. Uh, amazing moment in the poem. Um, all right, I uh, hope you keep coming back, Alexandra. We'd love to hear more of your poems. Our next reader is David Namat Nasser. Uh, again, correct me if I'm saying your name wrong. All good. All right, go. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, happy to be here. And it was a great workshop prior to this. Uh, <clears throat> photograph. Who do we see in these grains of light? Chemical ghosts burned into time-stamped cards. What can be pulled from these rickety frames, the swell of waves, churning forgotten laughs? Countless left in the dark, gathering dust until younger eyes can only guess at your face. Wonder what sparked the light in an ancient gaze. Yet we know them, without ever sharing tea, a walk beneath heavy trees, senseless talks into tomorrow. We feel the years, ages of simple joys, and each goodbye. Thanks. Okay, thanks very much, David. Beautiful poem. Uh, I like poems about photographs. Um, that's all I'll say. Uh, our next reader is uh, no stranger to all of you that yacht with us, one of the winners of Yacht Poem of the Month in 2020, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, who incidentally, as if you remember what I said at the beginning of this event, will be reading for our Staff Picks event next Thursday, January 21st at 7.30. How are you, Shanice? Um, I'm doing well. Yeah, I had a I had a Monday, but um, I'm here now, so we're good. All righty. Great. Um, January 6th, 11, 11 p.m. When I wake up next to you, I forget that this world is on fire. If only for a moment, minutes before we are interrupted by the process of living the orchestra of news and noise that we navigate daily. In the days between I busy myself, I am busy with myself, but your hands are phantoms, bare branches moved to tap, tap in the dead of night against the surface they can find. Smoking in the backyard, I can see stars, the edges of buildings puzzled together the cat taking his first free steps into the cold. I brought us here, the smoke in flight. I haven't always had faith or believed in anything that didn't scar me. Wasn't a lesson in disguise as connection. But with you, balancing containers of takeout and a bottle of natural wine into another night of bliss, believe we can begin again. What I mean is heal. What I mean is when I wake up next to you, I forget my past sorrows, that the city's on fire. Inhale, exhale, we can begin again. Thank you. Okay, beautiful poem. 
it's uh, it's both a great New Year poem and also an Obad um, great example of that. I guess you'd call it like a genre of a poem. Even waking up in the morning with uh, what seems to be a lover and uh, feeling the tension between the private world and the public world. Uh, yeah, great stuff. The January off is always great because uh, everyone is uh, seemingly recommitting to their writing practice and writing great New Year's poems. Yeah, they're back at it. I love it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we look forward to your reading next Thursday. Shanice, along with uh, the five other poets reading with you. Our next reader tonight is Frank Rabino of the Red Wheelbarrow Poets in New Jersey. How are you, Frank? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm feeling kind of January too. I know I have my Christmas lights up still. They'll probably be up for quite a few months. So that's just the way it goes. <laughs> um, I'm gonna read Ro Roger sent a video. My son's playing guitar down the hall, the first time in a year. His melodies from college days with drop C tuning, he says. I can hear the tuning in it, but the pattern runs low and strong hearted. I hear my daughter on the phone with her therapist laughing, relieved for the first time in a year. People move towards the good like the cat who sits beside me and shifts his rear end nearer. I was up late Christmas Eve, wrapping presents as wind roared across the backyards. A whole year's oxygen blew through, howling unquiet spirits, trees falling and shattered houses, bullets and voices of millions raised in ignorance and hatred. When I stuck my head out the door, it sounded like a too low plane. In the sycamore tree, birds do like a football team before the snap, when the ends move around and cross back and forth behind the offensive line. If you're a worm, a backyard's as big as China. I call Bobby G about an uncovered worm. Is it afraid of death? What do scientists know about death anxiety in worms? Anxiety comes from experiences, says Bobby G. Experiences come from consciousness, and consciousness comes from neural machinery, which the worm ain't got. All things move to the good and avoid the bad, but if you hang down like a gold bead and a cord goes through your core and a knot holds you against gravity, if you have the gold bead in you, move toward it, don't spurn it. When I think of the experience-emotion connection, I picture geological layers like Darwin first studied alongside a river. He sees a bottom layer flip to the top and how, the great man asked, did that happen? First, you have to think about time in that way. He's looking at the tall cliffs as he floats by. The top layer is emotion that feels like our life. Roger sent a video. Two children live on top of a cliff somewhere in China. A boy, Jang, cooks fried rice for a baby. Isn't Jang too little to crack eggs in such a hot pan? He humps the baby like a bag of rice down the cliff. They hang on their ladder like gold beads on a cord. 
I was up late Christmas Eve, wrapping presents as wind roared across the backyards like a too low plane. When I stuck my head out the door, I heard a melody from college days. I heard my daughter laughing. I was up late Christmas Eve. Roger sent a video. I heard the children howl, abandoned, sucking gruel from baby bottles. I stuck my head out the door and I heard a worm howl. I called Bobby G and I heard the people howl, their rage at prisoners and the poor. I heard people howl their grief, so many dead and nobody slowing death down. I saw the birds run their secret offense. I heard the black cat whine and shift its rear end nearer. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, thank you, Frank. <laughs> Amazing uh, form to this poem. So all, so all the lines, did all the lines come back at the end or many of them come back in this last stanza? Yeah. Yes. It kind of like, uh, uh, Arthur called it like a, like a cameo of the rest of the poem. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Which I think is kind of a, a nice way to think about it. I also think of it as the last stanza of a Sestina. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. It's a really powerful last stanza. And all those lines Thank come you. rushing back in like yeah. a different context. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Our next reader is Preeti Shah. A great two word bio. Uh, glad to hear you're feeling content. How are you, Preeti? Good. How are you, Jason? Doing well. Okay. So this is my father sings on my voicemail. Hello, Preeti? Man is voice We'll listen to as many times as you held my hand to teach me to walk. As per our talk or discussion last night, we are calling you at at 8.45, but you are not responding. Please respond. Thank you. Bye. We'll listen to as many times as the white hairs you asked me to pluck out from your scalp, dampen with the warmth of sandalwood and saffron. Benji, if you have time, give us, give me calls. Bye. We'll listen to as many times as the miles you drove from the adoption agency into my heart. I pity this is your dad. And it is 6.30 and you are not here. So I am wondering where are you? When are you coming home? Are you going to eat dinner? Please call F-A-S-A-P. Bye. We'll listen to as many times as the hours you stood while performing surgery. Hi, you know, how are you? I 
heard on TV that there was a lot of rain in New York City and and flood in the subway. Are you all right? Give me call and your time. Bye. We'll listen to as many times as the smiles you gave mom before she had a chance to get upset at us. Hello, are you eating lunch? We'll listen to as many times as the proverbs you muster from our childhood. Why, British said. Anand and Rudita are coming tomorrow. Do you need anything from here? Please give me call as soon as possible. Bye. We'll listen to as many times as the songs sung from your days as a child refugee, from Karachi to Limerdi to Santa Cruz in the midst of the India-Pakistan partition. Did the Malgadi live from there? Malgadi is called good strain, which brings all different goods and takes it long distance, but takes so much time you want to leave. So did the good strain leave yet? Give me call, good strain mm -hmm. owner. Bye. We'll listen to as many times as the missed calls you have left on my phone. Hello, PT. Give me call when you are free. Thank you. Bye. We'll listen to as many times as the beeps made by the EKG when you were in the hospital with the coma. Hi, PT. We have to go to that Mayurika and Girish Sanguis. Hello? We'll listen to as long as you're not with us. The last saved voicemails memorized and listened to ad infinitum. Wow. Well, wow, thank you, pretty. That was incredible. Mm. What a beautiful poem for father. Uh, what a charming, what a charming man. Uh, such delightful messages he would leave. Uh, I love his singing voice too. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. It's hard to really say anything after that poem. Um, Okay, well, Arthur, yeah, you get to follow that. So, good luck. It's an honor. It's a it's a real honor. Thank you so much, Preeti. Also, I wanted to thank uh, Josh for a great workshop, and it's glad to have you back again. And I hope to get to work with you soon. Thank uh, you. Jason. It is really sad that everybody at this place thought of you last night when Cleveland won. <laughs> and that's how we think of you. <laughs> Why is that sad? <laughs> well, you know, you're a you're a poet. You're the executive director of Brooklyn Poets, but we all know you for your Cleveland love. This is a poem. 
Cleveland yeah, is a very defining characteristic of a person. So, yeah. I get it. I get it. I, I shouldn't have said sad, but it's uh, note, noteworthy. Uh, this is actually a, a poem that came out of an exercise that Jessica Greenbaum had us do in the uh, I Do This, I Do That, A Day in the Life workshop. It wasn't an assignment exactly, but she asked us to go back to some event in our lives and remember more details about it. So I wrote this one. Well, I, I wrote the exercise at the time and then converted it into this poem. Additional details of the day my daughter learned that her mom and I will someday die. In her car seat with stuffed Katie coming home from the cloisters, she asks about the coffins. I pull on my earlobe. People die, I say. They need a coffin to lie in. We're on Route 3, west of MetLife Stadium, west of the Passaic River. Are you and mom going to die? Our Toyota Cressida has a straight six engine, very reliable. <clears throat> you know, eventually the future crashes into her face like a jar full of vinegar. This is still on route three where they would build the bed bath and beyond a few years later. I pull over get into the back, take her out of the safety seat, alternate between hugging her over my shoulder and holding her bawling face close to mine as if I can fill her sight with something less terrible. Cars whizzing by, I'm looking into her face. Is she broken? Is she older? Now she's wiping her mouth on my shirt which I find comforting, as though she were stroking my shoulder with her face. A locket of thin blonde hair is stuck to her sweaty temple. I open the door to carry her back around to the passenger side. The air feels good. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Arthur. Beautiful, beautiful poem, beautifully captured moment with your daughter. Uh, I love that Bed Bath and Beyond is in this. <laughs> it almost seems like uh, I don't know. It just suddenly made me think, like, what if that were the afterlife? <laughs> we were all we were all sent to Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> it's a useful meme. <laughs> Um, Actually, it should have said Giant Stadium because at the time, <laughs> Giant Stadium, not MetLife Stadium. Right, right. Um, okay. Uh, great stuff. Seems like you got a lot of good poems out of that workshop. Jessica is amazing. I really recommend yeah. working with her. She's, I agree. she's an amazing poet and a really good teacher. Yes, I absolutely agree. Okay, uh, I think we've got one more reader, if I'm not mistaken, a, a former Yopper of the Year, uh, as was Arthur. Uh, Bill Livingston, back from, well, I don't want to say dead, but <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't had you Yop with us in a while since we've gone virtual. Uh, I've been seeing your photographs uh, on Instagram. How are you doing? Good, you? 
Uh, you know how I'm doing. <laughs> we beat your team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. Congrats. I doffed my cap to you. Um, yeah. I appreciate it. We were, we were undefeated for so long, and it gave me so much hope, and then you just took it away. But uh, we well, rolled uh, it. I mean, roll with it. You, you destroyed us for like 18 straight years. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, the time has come. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, this is photo request from Death Row. Frankie, inmate 27388 San Quentin, wants a photo of his favorite band, Def Leppard, on stage as if it were taken last night. Isabella, inmate 77429 Denver Women's Correctional Facility, wants a photo of her family sitting around a big pan of their famous freshly made tamales that made them the heroes of their barrio. Miguel, inmate 127281, Corcoran State Prison, wants a photo of his pit bull Apollo running with a pack of gray wolves through an evergreen forest under the watchful eye of the full moon. Lori, inmate 389772, Coffee Creek Correctional Facility, wants a photo of her parents in front of a stone mansion holding bags of money next to an elephant ready to take them wherever they wish. Angel, inmate 113483, Kentucky State Penitentiary. Wants a photo of a rose gold Rolls Royce phantom parked on top of the attorney who fucked him, the wife he murdered at the wheel. James, inmate 834711, Florida State Prison. Wants a photo of a wall with a rainbow painted on it. Maybe some running horses painted on as well. Gregory, inmate 417332, Oregon State Penitentiary. Wants a photo of a parade celebrating the abolishment of prisons. Most importantly, the repeal of the death penalty. Extra creativity with the computer may be involved. Martin, inmate 663920, Ely State Prison. Doesn't want a photo. He wants a photographer to call him, write him letters, visit him if he's in the area, give him a sense of worth that his estranged tribe denies him. If that's not possible, then just a photo of the photographer's face, male or female, a smile bigger than Mona Lisa's. Thank you. What an amazing uh, idea for a poem is, is the right word. Uh, what generated this poem, Bill? There was a exhibit called Photo Requests from Solitary at the Brooklyn Public Library like two years ago. And huh. I took I took it to the next level as an imagination. Um, and being a photographer, I love old prisons. And um, I visited several abandoned prisons and took their took photographs within and I just imagined like what, um, what uh, the pr prisoners would um, would request. Wow, yeah, it's an amazing imaginative idea. Uh, like I said, I love poems about photographs, even when they're <laughs> imagined. Uh, great way to end. Uh, great to have you back, Bill. Um, okay, so that is the end of our open mic for January. Again, we vote for poem of the month every month. Uh, 
I'm going to go back through all the names so you have them, and I'll scroll through. I haven't been following the chat because I've been screen sharing from this, but uh, I'm just going to go backward through this doc, and you will see all the names that you just heard from Bill Livingston. Before Bill was Arthur Russell, poem about his daughter. Before Arthur, we had Preeti Shah, poem uh, about her father, this beautiful um, voice of her father in the voicemails. Before Preeti was Frank Rubino, Roger sent a video. Before Frank was Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, January 6th, 11, 11 p.m. Before Shanice, David Nasser, uh, another poem about a photograph. Before David was Alexandra Antonopoulos, This is the Loop. Uh, again, you just have to give me the poet's name. You don't have to give me the title of the poem. 718-374-1953. Just text the name to that number, and that will be a vote. Before Alexandra was Michael Jerome Cunningham. Before Michael was Bridget Duffy, won his youth over. Before Bridget was Sarah Lynn Rogers. Great poem uh, about, uh, you know, that narcissist <laughs> still in the White House unbearably. Uh, before Sarah Lynn Rogers was Earl Carlson making his Yop debut. Before Earl, we had Bonnie Belay with a uh, poem about clouds, apparently one of many that she's written lately. Before Bonnie, Todd Friedman, poem about the octopus teacher. Before Todd, we had Stella Lee, New Year's poem, Let's Take Space Reflect. Before Stella, we had Harvey Sauce, the poem about the Dissecting Frogs called High School Science. Before this scroll seems to have slowed down. <laughs> Before Harvey, we had Rita A. Simmons. Pretty sure, yes. Poem called Michael John. Maybe this will be easier if I just use this. Before Rita, we had Suzanne S. Austin Hill. Pistolary uh, poem to herself. Before Suzanne, we had Seth Leeper. With that uh, very fast poem. I'm tired of seeing flowers and poems. And I think that brings us back to the beginning before Seth, our first reader tonight, was Matt Morse with Banish Misfortune. So again, I'll put the number in the chat. Uh, text 718 374 1953 to vote for a poem of the month. Uh, just vote once, please. <laughs> uh, again, we'd love it if you would send us your selfies from tonight. In fact, if you haven't taken one yet, take one right now. Uh, you can email to coup at brokenpoets.org, or you can post it on Instagram uh, and tag us at brokenpoets, and we'll see it there. Uh, it really makes our events galleries from these events a lot more interesting um, than all the screenshots that I took tonight. Uh, again, if you want to read for the next YAWP, uh, it's always the second Monday of the month, except for December. Our next YAWP is on Monday, February 8th, which is four weeks from now. And that YAWP will be led by Lee Stein. Uh, again, sort of back. <laughs> Bush didn't really go anywhere, but uh, hasn't, hasn't taught a workshop for us, in, I think, at least a couple of years. But she's going to be teaching a, a workshop on writing prose. She writes prose. She writes poetry. She's published a, a, no, a couple of novels now, a memoir, a book of poems. She's got another book of poems coming out uh, pretty soon with Soft Skull Press uh, about the pandemic. Uh, this workshop she's leading on February 8th will be about uh, writing prose. 
Uh, and she's got, uh, I think, a, a particular theme for that that uh, I think, if I remember correctly, involves uh, the pandemic or our thoughts about it. So uh, if you want to sign up for that, go to brokenpost.org, look at the YAWP event page and sign up there. Again, I encourage you, if you want to read for the open mic, to sign up right now because there's really no reason to wait because in a couple of days that lineup will be full. Uh, I wanted to say this for members, uh, as, as many of you know, we used to obviously do this event in person and we would charge $10 for the workshop and open mic or just $5 for the open mic. But because we've been doing this virtually, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to take different door fees with the way this is set up. And uh, also we just wanted to help people out because obviously the uh, economic situation is not great. So we just made the fee $5. Uh, if you are a member, you're supposed to get free admission over the course of the past year. A lot of you members have been just donating that fee anyway, even though you are members. Um, but uh, since we don't know how long we're going to keep doing this virtually, if you are a member and want to sign up and, and get free admission, just put that in your sign up. Uh, I, I know a lot of you, but uh, just, just, just say you'd like a free invite and I can send you one. If you're cool with just continuing to donate five, you can do that. It's, it's, that's obviously uh, something we appreciate and are grateful for, uh, but it's not necessary. Uh, after all, you bought a membership and uh, entitles you to free admission to Yacht for a year. Uh, if you're not a member, you can certainly become one. Uh, go to brugenpoets.org, look at our memberships page, and, and you can look at the options there. Uh, again, we'll be back on Zoom next Thursday at 7.30 p.m. That's January 21st for our first Staff Picks event of the year, featuring, among other people, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, who you heard from tonight, along with Kieran Bath, uh, Anthony Thomas Lombardi, Aaron Mitrahi, Janelle Pineda, and Dion Robinson. I think that was the full lineup. Uh, Joe, you want to say anything real quick about that event since you helped curate it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so basically, like Jason said, it is an event where we have like truly emerging poets. They truly don't have books. This is very exciting. Um, and I just would say that the our inaugural event was last the last event that we did just a few months ago. And it was incredible. It was genuinely one of the best poetry events that I've been a part of, that I've been to. Um, I know that sounds really obnoxious because I helped organize it, but genuinely like the the people who were there, the people who read, it was incredibly powerful. Um, it was really special also to feel like you were a part of something. It was fire. Yeah, it was really amazing. Like it, it felt like you were really a part of something at the beginning. Um, and that's a really special feeling. And it's this feeling that I felt when I went to my first Brooklyn Poets event and it made me feel so alive. And this event did the exact same thing. And so if you feel like maybe you need a little more life <laughs> in your days, I think like we all do, please come to this next event. Um, like do it for yourself. Cause it's really incredible. I will be there like hugging all of you virtually, but um, yeah, that's it. Just, it's really, really, really worth it. All right. Could have said it better myself. That's why I had Joe say, <laughs> cause she, puts all that heart into it uh yes we'd love it if you'd come out next come out virtually next thursday for our first staff picks event uh i have to apologize because i was scrolling so fast i skipped over dan varley in our open mic list so uh dan varley also read tonight if you want to vote for dan uh i read that great poem about uh lifting weights uh sorry about that dan um and last announcement again if you are interested in our our workshops this winter spring season remember a couple of deadlines coming up 
Uh, in a couple of weeks, February, January 24th, that's our fellowship application deadline. Uh, if you'd like uh, financial aid for a workshop, you could take a workshop for free potentially or at reduced cost. Uh, again, look at the fellowships page at brokenpoets.org. Uh, and on February 7th, that is our early registration deadline where you get $15 off. Uh, you get a membership, you get $25 off for workshops at any time. So you don't have to be applying uh, or registering by that date. Okay, uh, that's all I've got for tonight. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, <laughs> it's a crazy time, but next time we meet, uh, hopefully there will be a quote unquote peaceful transition of power to uh, an actual sane president. Uh, and uh, hopefully we're on a much better place. We'll, we'll definitely have uh, <laughs> a better Congress again, hopefully. Uh, I feel like I have to say hopefully to everything these days. Um, but uh, we appreciate you all continuing to attend these jobs virtually, and we will see you on February 8th. Thank you, and good night from Brazil. There you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for January 11th, 2021. I had forgotten when I started producing this episode of the Yopcast that I was in Brazil while we were doing this Yop. And I think because of that, uh, there was some less than ideal crackling sounds during my portion of the audio. I apologize for that. Um, this was because I don't travel with my high-def microphone when I go overseas. Uh, luckily, the poets themselves uh, had good audio and uh, that uh, didn't interfere with your listening. Thanks to Professor Joshua Megan for leading an amazing workshop on the sonnet. Josh is one of the best sonneteers we have in poetry today, one of the great experts on the form. It's great to have him back teaching for Brooklyn Poets after his three-year hiatus teaching at Northwestern in a city, Chicago, that he is not fond of. And I have to say, I don't disagree with him, especially during the wintertime. Congrats to longtime yawper Preeti Shah for winning Yawp Poem of the Month for January for her incredible poem, My Father Sings in My Voicemail. Really one of the most unforgettable moments, I think, during uh, Yawp history. I should say, not, not exaggerating when I say that, it really was an amazing uh, moment that we will all remember for as long as we do this, for as long as we keep doing poetry. Uh, Preachy won Yacht Poem of the Month once in 2020, and uh, it's great to have her back. As Yacht Poem of the Month winner in 2021, she will be reading for our Poem of the Year contest in December. Uh, our next Yacht comes your way on February 8th. It will be led by Lee Stein, another uh, Brooklyn Poets teacher who is back teaching for us this season after a bit of a hiatus. Uh, Lee's been doing <laughs> too many amazing things like uh, writing and publishing her novel Self Care. She will be leading a workshop on writing prose. Uh, it's called Filling the Page Prose for Poets. So, uh, you know, we focus on poetry at Brooklyn Poets, but of course we write prose as well. So if you do that too, uh, you might want to check out her workshop. You can find out about it at brokenpoets.org or attend the op on February 8th to get a little glimpse of what that workshop will be all about. 
Uh, if you want to sign up for the Yop, go to brokenpost.org. Check out the events part of our menu. Go to Yop, and you will see the sign-up form there. Once you sign up, you will get a link in the auto-reply to register on Zoom. Uh, we're going to keep doing these virtually until it's safe to do them in person again. <laughs> I've almost forgotten what it's like to lead a yacht in person. Uh, all of our recording equipment and sound equipment is in my basement, and every, t- every now and then I see it, and I'm like, what is that for? Uh, we appreciate all of you that continue to yop with us virtually. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to the Yopcast, you can do so on iTunes. It'd be great if you rate us five stars. That will help more listeners find these poets reading for the Yop Open Mic every month. Uh, that is all I have for today, and uh, we hope to see you on February 8th. Uh, stay safe, and uh, yeah, hope you're well. Take care.